The following Wheat Among the Tares program has been pre-recorded. Well, a good Wednesday morning to you, and I want to welcome you to Wheat Among the Tares, our weekly program here from the studios of Gethsemane Global Radio in Lexington, South Carolina. I want to thank you for joining us here this morning. A blessing to have everybody aboard. A little different program here for the next two weeks as we are going to be diverting a little bit from our normal uh, interview situation and whatnot. And I have asked our, our resident historian, to come to the studio this morning. I'm talking about Brother Carl Baker, who has uh, been such a blessing to us. And I mean that uh, a number of programs that he has done with us. And we are going to be tackling this morning uh, the doctrines and the history of the Mormon church. And the purpose of that being uh, to you that are listening, and perhaps you may have looked at the our uh, Facebook page and had a notification of this as far as what we were going to be talking about. But I trust that these next two broadcasts that we're going to do are going to be a help and a blessing to you, excuse me, and an edification that you will know more about the doctrines and the history of the Mormon church and why it is in error. With that, Brother Carl Baker, want to welcome you to Wheat Among the Tares this morning. We are delighted to be with you again, Brother Blake. Brother, you have been a fixture here, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I'm, I'm very glad that you have uh, come, with, come this morning into the studio. We talked about this uh, several weeks back as yeah. far as this particular thing, because it was something that, Brother Carl, as you know, was kind of laid on my heart, and we we. We tend to, we want to delve into things that sometimes a lot of people don't want to talk about from the standpoint of error because of the fact that, Brother Carl, first of all, they don't know enough about it to combat it with the scriptures and to know where to go. Part one of this is today going to deal more with the history of where Mormonism came from, the era that was propagated. And um, and I do know for the, for the fact that I'm and I'm looking at some notes here that the Mormons basically what they have wanted to start and this was all coming from a gentleman by the name of Joseph Smith and I know you're going to deal with him, brother Carl, but they wanted to create a new Zion, uh, a utopian society, if you would, and and they took it upon themselves through a lot of quote, revelation uh, to try to establish this new church of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the earth. Let's deal, first of all, with any opening comments you may want to have, and then we can jump into, first of all, Joseph Smith and kind of his background and, and where he came from and what happened. The first thing I want to say is that we're told in the last days that we're going to be dealing with not just one, but a multiplicity of those individuals who are going to appear on the scene to preach and teach false doctrines. And many people are going to be... Let me just read what Peter says in Second Peter 2. 
But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways. Notice pernicious. Um, deceptive, destructive. Um, and watch what he says. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. We're told by Paul in Galatians chapter 1, he forewarned the church of Galatia. He said that, um, he said, Paul an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia. Grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory both now and ever. Amen. I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we've preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we there have said therefore before, so say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it by man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. We are warned about these new teachings that are going to come up on the scene in the last days. Paul forewarns us in the book of Galatians that though an angel from heaven, if you'll notice this right here, that when people want authority, whether it's Roman Catholicism, whether it's Islam, whether it is uh, Hinduism, whether it's Mormonism, charismatic movements, whatever it is. There's always this interjection of these individuals called angels, these individuals who they, we, we believe are in the spirits, the higher spirits, that give revelations to these people who bring and teach false doctrine. And Joseph Smith was no different than any of those others who, who do this teaching. There's 17 million so-called professing Mormons in this world. 50% of them reside in America. The others are scattered out amongst 170 other nations in this world. Mm -hmm. And it's unbelievable how many, how many people are converted to Mormonism by the methods that they use on this supernatural vision of angels coming down to men and giving them things that contradict this Bible we hold in our hand. All scriptures given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, 
for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Amen. Scripture, the authority of our faith, the authority of our lives and how we're supposed to live it, the, the, the inspiration of this Bible cannot be exceeded by visions of angels, uh, um, necromancing, and other means as that right there, as we shall see when we look at the life of Joseph Smith, how much it had affected. And this is what we're going to look at, is the history of what he said himself that he received by angels and individuals of supernatural uh, authorities and such as that, that'll take us away from the Bible and the gospel of that Bible into a new gospel that's perverted the gospel. Oh, they, they say Jesus Christ rose again, but they're going to pervert it in such a way that you will be a Mormon and not a Bible-believing Christian anymore. Brother, the, um, the two scriptures, the, the two references that you utilized, I'm thinking here as I sit behind this microphone, and I was just thinking... You know, the, the authority, really, and you yes. that's what you, the authority of the scriptures is really what is the bedrock Absolutely. of everything that we believe, but also how that heresy seeps in through just taking basically the bedrock of truth of the Bible and twisting it, uh, manipulating it to uh, an advantage of whatever that man or revelation comes to him. And Satan is a master at twisting those things and making it appear as though it is a minister of righteousness, 2 Corinthians chapter yes. 11. Yes. And it all comes out to the point of saying, if you cannot settle on the scriptures rightly divided, then you're going to be in trouble. Absolutely. And brother, this uh, the crux of everything that you've just said and that will be covered on these next two programs, I'm hoping, and, and this is my prayer for this broadcast, and if you're just joining us, uh, we are talking with Brother Carl Baker. We're dealing with the doctrine of Mormonism, uh, its founding, and also its doctrines that we'll, we will be discussing in these next two broadcasts. But uh, suffice it to say, brother, um, if if the foundation is unholy, then the fruit is unholy. Absolutely. And if the founder is in error, then everything else that's propagated from that is in error. Tell us about Joseph Smith. Just begin with Joseph Smith and what he testifies himself. Um, when he was 15 years old, he was going through great struggles uh, as a, um, a young man, a teenager. Mm -hmm. He's going through great struggles because Joseph Smith is born in 1805. And between 1805 and the time that he becomes a young man uh, uh, of, of 15 years old, he's, um, he's, he's living during a period of time He's born in Vermont, Sharon, Vermont, and he lives about 300 miles, as far as his family's concerned, with another place, Manchester, New York, where it is noted to be at the heart, right next to Rochester, New York, where another great minister of the Second Awakening is beginning a ministry that is going to change 
the ministry of evangelism in America at that time. So he's connected right at that same period of time and lives within that period of that man called jo- uh, Charles Finney. Charles Finney begins his ministry, and he admits the fact of this right here, that his ministry begins through a great cloud of confusion and such as that because he's dwelling in what he says is the burnt-over area. And uh, burnt-over area means this right here, that so many different evangelists and many different beliefs and such as that are coming up at that period of time around that northern part of, of New York where that um, uh, Finney is, is going to present the gospel as he himself interprets it in such as that, in such a way that it's going to change evangelism in America. Well, Joseph Smith is is born and raised during that period of time around 1830 mm-hmm. when all of this begins to have its formulation. And the confusion that is surrounding it is unsurmountable. We've, we've discussed that on previous programs we already have. concerning yeah. them. Go back and listen to what... Um, um, Charles Finney, how, how his presentation, and also the the supernatural movements as far as in his life were concerned. But Joseph Smith is born at a time when this area is just is just confronted with uh, a bunch of different types of preachers uh, that are, are are trying to begin ministries. Well, at fifteen, he says he goes out into the woods and prays to God and says to God, he says, "You know, Lord, I I need to know which religion." Which religion should I join? What church should I join? And he says that two images show up to him in the woods. One is God the Father, and the other is Jesus Christ, God the Son. They both appear to him in person, individually. uh, I mean, together, and speak to him uh, individually. And uh, God says to him, This is my beloved Son, hear ye him. And then Jesus gives him a revelation of the fact this right here. He doesn't want him to join any church. They're going to, the church has been in apostasy ever since its inception after the apostles and its, its growth and such as that. Therefore, God's going to use him, Jesus Christ is going to use him to formulate a new church, a reformed church, a reformed church of Jesus Christ. It is going to be known, first of all, as the church of Christ to begin with but later on changes its name to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And uh, when he appears to him, they tell him that he's going to get a revelation through, through the, uh, the, what they call the Another Testament. And that Another Testament is going to be the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. Okay? So Joseph Smith, at this time in his life, gets a revelation he's going to receive these, these plates. Well, when he, when he gets that revelation... Later on, uh, by the time he's uh, 20, uh, I think it's 1823, he gets a a manifestation from the angel Moroni. And he identifies himself as being the the son of Mormon, who is a a seer and someone who lives during the time of Jesus Christ. And he has received the inheritance of these uh, golden plates from his father and 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 uh, Amron, and he 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 got killed in battle, but he had received a vision according to Moroni he uh, and the Book of Mormon. Uh, he had received a vision from Jesus Christ Himself that that uh, 
that these plates and this history of him appearing to the America Indians, the Americas of, of uh, uh, South and North America, mm-hmm. he was going to he appeared to them and had brought the gospel is going to bring the gospel to them, and so he does. And through during the lifetime of Moroni and Moroni at the end of his his tenure, as far as in 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 the in the uh, holding of these plates and the history of of what Jesus Christ was doing in the Americas, uh, he gave, re- revealed the history of what took place and was giving it now to Joseph Smith. And Joseph Smith is going to receive that revelation through the golden plates. He has to wait four years, come back to the same place where Moroni met him, uh, on uh, and and he uh, on the hill of Camorra in notice in, it's located in New York, mm-hmm. and he's going to receive the the plates themselves uh, as soon as Moroni tells him exactly where I guess to dig. <laughs> and so anyway, what it is when he finally finds out about the golden plates and such as that. People don't realize that during that sounds, man, this sounds really wonderful. Let me hear the rest of the story. But the rest of the story is found in his life during that period of time. He calls himself a stone seer. Joseph Smith never worked a job like a normal man working jobs and such as that. He took up an occupation according to some of the testimonies of those that later on were reconverted from Mormonism, that he was a lazy individual. One of, his, uh, one of his historians said he basically was a lazy individual, so he sought the easiest way out. And during this period of time, because of this great move of emotionalism and such as that, and this, spirit, this, this thing about spiritual incantations and such as that, Joseph Smith takes upon himself an occupation of a, a, a seer looking at stones, and he's called a digger. These people at this time are supposed to have this supernatural ability to look into a, a seer stone, and when they look into that stone, it would get translucent, but what it would do is you, you put the stone in a hat, you put your head in the hat, look at the stone, and the stone will give you incantations of where to find treasure in the earth. And what you do is you, you use that and tell people about it. They go dig in those areas to try to find the gold. That's why they're called gold diggers in the later times. Wow. And so that's, <laughs> that's his occupation. Wow. His occupation. And yet, I, I read the history of his, as far as his, his uh, occupation, such as that, and him in particular, and come to find out his dad was involved with it too, and uh, Joseph Smith Jr., I mean, senior, and he, he was Joseph Smith Jr., but he would people would believe it or at least they got so notice through covetousness they use make merchandise of you right. that's what he did he used covetousness and people want to get rich quick and such as that so he claimed to be one of these stone seers and that's where the book of mormon is translated from stones well what happens is this right here when joseph smith finally is told by the angel moroni according to his own testimony where the plates are he goes and gets the plates well, uh, when he gets the, finally is given the plates where he can, he can read them and take them and such as that, there's, there's three other objects in there amongst the plates. There's a, um, the stones of what he refers to as the Urim and Thurim, mm-hmm. Thurim, which were supposed to be little oversized eyeglasses made from seer stones. And these eyeglasses, you could put them on, and magically they're supposed to turn the, hier- the hieroglyphics of the uh, Reformed e- uh, Egyptian hieroglyphics into English when he puts them on his face. And then 
it's the sword of Laban, Laban, and then not only the sword of Laban, but also uh, uh, he's uh, the the golden plates, and then a uh, a vestment, a vesture in there with it. So he takes these things and 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 he takes the golden plates, takes them home, and what I read about it that's that's so confusing and confounding is this right here is you come to find out that those people that he used as interpreters, he used two of them that were supposed to write, or, or his printers, or uh, those that were Scribe, scribes. Yes. Yeah, his scribes. The first scribe that he had was a personal friend of his that was uh, in cahoots with him on his seer stuff. He used him, and he was going to be the scribe to, inter, uh, to write down what Joseph Smith told him was on the plates. Well, when he got to reading the plates and everything else, uh, he, at first he was supposed to be using what he called the Urim and Thummim, and uh, the witness and testimony, and one of them being a, a, a stone in one glass, side of the glasses, another stone in the other side of the glass, he was supposed to put them on and be able to read it. Well, come to find out, he set those aside because he was having problems, and his first, his first uh, scribe lost 116 or 118 pages of the first translation, so he got rid of him and, and got another man who was a, a sidekick with him in, on it, and, and, he be, and he was a teacher, a school teacher, and he came in to be his partner to translate, translate the plates. Oliver Cowdery's his scribe. All right, when he gets his plates and starts giving his interpretation um, of the plates to Cowdery, he starts, uh, they, trans, they get it, the translation made in 30 days. They do all the translation of the, all the plates in 30 days, and they get it together, and then he publishes it in uh, 1830. You see, the story is it, it, it becomes so complicated because of this. According to the Book of Mormon, the Jews that went into captivity during the times of King Zedekiah, those Jews that went into captivity, part of the ten northern tribes that went into captivity to the Assyrian, not, not the Babylonian empire of the, of the two tribes of, uh, uh, as far as Judah is concerned, mm-hmm. Um, he gets it all screwed up in this sense right here. The ten northern tribes are actually in captivity through the Assyrian Empire. Well, he says that individuals from the ten northern tribes migrate to uh, to America from that period of time and settle the Americas, and that's who the American Indians are. And so he's this history is from the time of these so-called leaders that were of the of, of Hebrew descent, giving this history on, on and according, it, I know they call them golden plates, but really they're called brass plates by the, by the historians of that period of time that are transcribing on these brass plates, putting this history in. But it, what is so confusing is why would they use, use reform Egyptian hieroglyphics if they're Hebrews? course he says they lost their language because of their backslidden condition when they come to america you mean to tell me this right here they took up a more complicated <laughs> alphabet and characteristics for writing a, writing a, a history than the hebrew language itself so brother the what i'm hearing from the description of everything that you said and his thoughts concerning israel uh, the ten northern tribes coming to America, yes. in to me, what they're trying to propagate here is that this quote new church is going to be comprised. It's the new Israel, if you would, 
and they're establishing a new Zion, mm-hmm. and everything that's coming about this, brother, it is it is very confusing to say the least. One of these generals there was supposed to have got an appearance by Jesus Christ Himself at 15 years old. Ironically, same as Joseph Smith mm-hmm. at 15 years old, he was supposed to have um, seen Jesus Christ, who tells him that he's to write this history. Okay, and then he's killed in battle. Once he's killed in battle, he gives it to his son, which is Moroni. And when Moroni gets the plates from his dad, he carries the history on down until he passes away. And, and, he, and I, evidently, I guess he's the one who hides the plates in, on the hill of Cumorah in New York. And he's going to reveal it to Joseph Smith that he's going to recover these plates so that he can find out the true history of Jesus Christ and the, and the establishment of the true church of Jesus Christ in America. You, when you mentioned Zion, yeah, uh, Independ, you, in, yep. uh, Independence, Missouri, is the, is the Zion that he establishes where Jesus Christ is going to establish the kingdom from in Independence, Missouri. All right? When, when, when he, he says that Christ is going to appear, when, when he does appear, he's going to set up the kingdom and everything else from there. Even though the scriptures tell you that Christ Jesus, it, he calls it the new Jerusalem. And he says that new Jerusalem is actually going to descend and come and establish itself there in Missouri. The thing of it is, according to our scriptures, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back and establish Jerusalem in Israel right. to be the capital of the world during his millennial reign. But this history of Moroni, even though it's so, it is not only confusing, confusing because there's so there's absolutely no truth that you can find historically within its pages when you take historians and, and go and check on on this this story as far as the book is concerned. All of it is built upon this New Testament, beginning with the Book of Mormon. From the Book of Mormon, uh, then comes the Pearl of Great Price. And other writings, uh, there's basically um, for the Bible, as far as the Book of Mormons is concerned, Mormon inspiration as far as the Book of Mormon, then comes the Bible, and then comes the Doctrine and Covenants, pearls of great price, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that he also says that he received by revelation. And that's another issue about the Mormon church and its establishment, is that all these, these fictitious witnesses and scribal um, testimonies are so provable to be uh, false that it's unconceivable that anyone would want to to hang their soul's hat on the Mormon faith and belief. I mean, you just take one thing out of the Pearl of Great Price. (laughs) That's the testimony as far as Abraham is concerned out of the Pearl of Great Price. He admits himself that he he got the vision, he got the vision of the Pearl of Great Price uh, from uh, some some individuals who had a sideshow who had some mummies and some had some ancient manuscripts that whenever he got a hold of them and everything else, he bought the mummies and bought the manuscripts from these, these sideshow people passing through town and everything else. He got them, and, and when he started interpreting the book of Abraham, he put on his, he took his seer stone, put it in a hat, put it over his face, and began to in, interpret the book, these, these so-called plates 
And he said this right here, that when he got through and everything else, he was talking about how that he had actually made a reformed Egyptian alphabet. And that he had translated these, the, this, these Egyptian characters himself and that uh, everything was by inspiration of God himself. Well, when the Egyptianologists got a hold of him, they, they looked at it and, and, and laughed him to scorn and said that these hieroglyphics and everything else, as, as time grew on and they knew exactly what the, what the hieroglyphics read and everything else, that actually it was nothing but paperwork on how the Egyptians embalmed their dead people. It wasn't, and it, and Abraham isn't even mentioned in one word of those of the of that testament. So, brother, the the crux yes. of everything that we have has been brought forth here this morning is that the the quote revelation yeah. of the angel Moroni to Joseph Smith, uh, everything that has come about as a result of what he has testified, right as being uh, a new revelation, the scriptures clearly teach us, as you quoted at the beginning of the program, that if there's anything that's that's other than what was given to the Apostle Paul, let him be accursed. You know, the preaching that Paul did, and this man clearly, and I'm talking about Joseph Smith now, and his and his propagators following that, clearly are in error and not only that but it's been proven by you know it's been substantiated by others that what this man has foisted upon many a person is is scripturally untrue and that can be proved historically to be untrue in these latter days science has been able to take a look at writings and things like that and everything else and the way people interpret them and such as that and take linguists and such as that who've studied the languages uh, intently and through studies in school and such as that. When you investigate the, the interpretation of the so-called hieroglyphics of which we have no record of because they were given back to Moroni and uh, as far as the manuscript of uh, Abraham and his records, they still have that and everything else as a proof of the fact that he didn't know what, uh, he didn't know one word of that manuscript and he, he sure didn't know the byproducts of uh, of embalming people in the Egyptian way but here's what here's here's the other thing brother he states the fact that he was called by Jesus Christ to give the true gospel to the Americas himself and establishing the true church of Jesus Christ there in uh, Nauvoo, in, uh, in, in the places where he was. Those people who study genetics have taken and taken what Joseph Smith said and took it to the laboratory and taken blood from what I understood by testimony was nearly, not all, but most of the tribes of the native Indians of America. They took them and and tested them genetically to see whether or not they were kin to any Hebrews on this planet and found out this right here. There's not an Indian that they tested genetically where their genetics show any lineage associated with the Hebrew people at all. You would think that would open up some people's eyes. It has some, but you would think that just the proof of things to prove that Joseph Smith was nothing 
but a glorified necromancer of his own making and that he uh, established something that it shows you that uh, just exactly like uh, Barnum said uh, in Barnum and Bailey, uh, he said this right here, there's a fool born every minute. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you this right here. There's 17 million of them that I know of. If they would just investigate the history and the actual science of what they study to be so-called revelations from God, that Joseph Smith, if you... You just look at his writings when it comes to uh, Pearl of Great Price and the Doctrines and Covenants and find out this right here, that God himself is not the true and only God. The Bible tells you in the first commandment, there's one God. We're told by Paul the Apostle, there's one God, one meteor between God and men. It's the man Christ Jesus. Right. I want to say something. They're non-Trinitarian. They do not believe that. They believe this right here, that God was created, uh, Jehovah is Jesus Christ, and he created the worlds. But there's a God that's above him, Elohim, that is God. And God himself is a man, just like me and you. And we go through elevations of, pure, of the purifications of our lives and the transitions of our lives, just like reincarnation of the Indians. We also go from glory to glory, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 18. He took that, interpreted that to mean that there are steps and progressive glory that takes place to the human person. That's why they believe in the doctrine of baptism of the dead we'll talk about next week. Yes, but sir. right now, I just want you to understand this right here. The establishment and foundation of what Mormonism is according to the testimony of their own doctrines, their own covenants, their own writings, and the historical evidences of the truth of the foundation of this church around that man called Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith was a, not only a false prophet. There's no doubt this right here. He has been a great minister of the devil himself that's, that is told about in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that you made reference to, Brother Blake, and that is this right here. He is a formulation of these false teachers and prophets that are going to appear on the scene to divert the true faith of the gospel that saves men's souls. Amen. I want to tell you, to divert them into a false gospel where in the end, their end will be ministers of the devil. Amen. You said it well when before we went on there, and we're close with this, but you, t you made a comment, and we will pick this up next week. But you said to the, the, the labyrinth of confusion that Satan goes to deceive men to keep them away from the truth. Second um, Corinthians 4 says, "...in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which right. believe not." And that certainly has been the case not only with other doctrines down through the years, but Brother Carl, as we come to these last days, how that the doctrine of the Mormon church has so confused and absolutely dispelled anything with regard to the, the truth in many of these people's lives because they are so dependent and blinded by what this one man has said. You can either rely upon a stone some man told you that he got out of a well 30 feet deep while he was um, uh, helping some fella do, do a well digging job. You can either take that stone, that brown and striped stone that he said he found in a well 30 feet deep, and you can either follow the readings that he said he saw in that stone in a hat that he buried his face in, 
or I'll tell you what you can do. You can go to the book God said he authored himself and read about the real stone and the cornerstone which the builders have rejected. And you can go to him and I'll just tell me which one you, listen, you, your soul's weight on. And that is either this right here, the written word of God and the revelation of God that cannot be proven to be false. Amen. Or you can go to a fellow named Joseph Smith and go take his readings that have proven to be wrong ever since investigation and honest inquirers have searched out. Amen. Be careful where you put your soul's trust. Amen. Amen. Brother Carl Baker, been a blessing to have you on the program this morning. And I trust that you have been blessed by what you have heard this morning. Again, the purpose is to edify the saints and to show you indeed where error is. I will thank you for joining us this morning. Please remember, we'll be back on this subject next week. Join us then if you would. May the Lord bless you. Pray for us here and have a wonderful day in the Lord. 